You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Bellicard Simone is a legendary champagne with a cult following. It's an industry best-kept secret, but can be enjoyed at top restaurants and shops around the world. Grab a glass. Welcome to the House of Billicart. I'm floating away on bubbles today. I get to sit with Geoffrey Loisel, director of the Americas, North and South. That's a big territory for Billicart. Champagne, certainly one of the most prestigious champagne houses in the world, right? Thanks for coming, man. Thank you, John, for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Been a, it's been a long time. Yeah, it has. It's good to see you. Good to see you. You know, um, champagne is so rich in history. Um, historians say champagne has suffered more battles and wars than any other place on earth. And conversely, the world equates with good times and parties and births and weddings. Um Right, it's pretty, pretty yeah, well, amazing. You know, with champagne, we we can do it all, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, births to uh, weddings to anniversary, bar mitzvah, you name it. And uh, champagne, you know, uh, Napoleon said, "In in in defeat, you need it, and in victory, you deserve it." Yeah, I like that. So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's how I roll with champagne yeah. these I, days. I, I understand. <laughs> I am absolutely the same way. I, you know, I've, I've, I love the history of champagne. Uh, one of my favorite stories, and thank you for starting out with a great quote, um, is uh, Heisek was wanted to bring champagne to the States in the 1800s, 1850. And um, he blazed a trail and he brought a bunch of champagne here. And then uh, he, he was so successful that Americans loved him, Washington, Jefferson, and, and you know, they got behind it and he's brought in 20,000 cases. And then he went to get paid and the Civil War started and uh, there was a law enacted that you didn't have to pay your debtor. So he had all the champagne here and he wasn't getting paid and he was like panicked and came here. And it was put in place because um, it was the Northerners' way of basically screwing the Southerners, like, yeah, we're not going to pay you for the cotton, and we'll sink your economy. But the champagne house was like, I need my champagne. He came to New York. Then they, he, the debtor, the guy who, he owed, who owed him all this money said, I'm not paying you. So he decided he was going to go try to get his champagne and bring it somewhere else and try to sell it. During the Civil War, he was on a boat, got arrested in his uh, satchel. There was papers. They thought he was a traitor or a spy. They put him in a prison in Florida. Like it, in the worst, most heinous conditions, mosquitoes, alligators. He uh, it was emaciated. Napoleon actually helped get him out. Lincoln wrote him a letter to get him out of jail. He goes back to France. He's almost dead. A year later, he's broke. He sells everything. He's bankrupt. And many, many years later, he gets a knock on the door in the middle of the night. <clears throat> and it's a, a guy who says, there's a, a man in the village and he wants to see you. And he's got some important paperwork for you. And it's a snowstorm. And he gets on his horse. And he goes into town. And he meets this guy. And the guy has a, a, a bag. And he opens up and all these deeds. And he goes, my brother, who didn't pay you, um, um, I feel bad. And I want to repay his debt. These deeds are yours. And he looks out. And he looks down. And there's like 300 deeds to Denver. Now, Denver used to be a little teeny mining town with like you know, 30 buildings. It now is a booming town. 
the deeds were worth $100 million. He flipped out, cashed them all in, paid his debt, and lived his life. And I thought, like, what a great story. But Champagne is full of these amazing stories. And, the, and, the, and like, the Napoleon quote or – That's where Champagne <clears throat> will get you. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely – Great story. It is uh, joyous. So why don't you give me the roadmap to how you become a director of the Americas? It's such a – I mean, like, what's the interview process? So you grew up in Normandy. I I was born in Normandy, born in but Normandy. I, I grew up, I traveled a lot with my parents. Mm-hmm. When we were young, we went to Algeria, came back to Normandy, went to the west of France, you know, in the Loire Valley. Um, then I left to London when I was 18 to speak, to learn English. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Normandy to do a business school. Then I left right away to the U.S. to start uh, in Florida, actually, uh, uh, selling wine. What were you selling? I was uh, the first bottle of wine I sold was, I think, Clos de Tarte. What the the bur- Burgundy? Clos de Tarte, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. from wow. Montmesson because I was oh, working yeah. for the <clears throat> the importer of Montmesson, and at the time, Clos de Tarte was owned by Montmesson. Since then, they sold it, but uh, okay. at the time, it was okay. So you're selling fantastic Burgundy. You had to be selling some other plonk with Clos oh, yeah. de Tarte. What was yeah. the what's the what's the What's the down wine you were selling? You're like, I can't believe I'm selling this. Uh, probably uh, <laughs> from the same portfolio, I would say a, a Spanish wine, okay. uh, a Crianza. Okay. Uh, I won't name the brand. So you... <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was, you know, that was selling, yeah. but it was not my, my favorite wine for sure. Yeah. So, so that was your uh, kind of entrance into uh, this business. Yeah. Right? I mean, before, you know, I started as an intern making $600 a month, yeah. uh, a wine bag and a shitty company car <laughs> uh, in in Miami, um, you know, and uh, started like that, you know, door to door. Right. Um, I guess that's still what we do today, yeah, you know. It's, it is ex- exactly. Uh, but uh, so tell me how you get to Billicard because that – first, the interview process. I mean, this is still uh, family-owned, seven generations. Um, it's not like – you know they're trying to pick the best. How do you get to how do you get to knocking on that door? Bill Card is 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 all about the family. You know, mm-hmm. it's a family business. It's a family concept. I think that's what makes it great. And the way I found the job is related through my own family. Oh. So I was working for another champagne house actually here in New York uh, for years. And one day my my father come to visit to New York. One day in the summer, during the summer, it was extremely hot, as you know, in New York City. And we, we go out that night. We drink champagne. And um, my dad said, wow, you have a great job. You know, you you go to restaurants and, you know, it's, it's a great lifestyle. I mean, right. selling wine in general. I, I wish I could have done that. My my dad was in the, in the pipeline oil business. Okay. And, uh, and I told him it's never too late. You should try that. And he was pre-retired at the time in France. And right that evening, uh, the director, the French director of the champagne brand I was working for was here. And so we all got along great. And, and this gentleman asked my dad, well, you should come and help me in the north of France. It's, that's where you live. Uh, we need people to help us selling or, or champagne. And maybe you can work with our distributor in, in, in Lille, in the north of France. That's the city he lives in. And, uh, and that's how he started. And one day he called me say, saying, oh, um, and I was in, in the U.S. selling wine already uh, for right. a long time. And he said, well, uh, do you know this brand called Bjorkhart Salmon? <laughs> and he's, I said, of course, I know it. But, you know, we don't see it here in the U.S. It's kind of like 
dead. It's Sleeping Beauty right now. And he says, well, they're looking for their guy in in the U.S. because they want to they want oh. to develop the brand, you know. They want to they, they, they want to they want to wake up the Sleeping Beauty. So um, maybe you should uh, you should you know get in touch with them. So. I got him his first job in the wine business, my dad, <laughs> and he got me my the best gig I had so wow. far in the wine business. So that's that's how it started with Bielkart. And then I went to France. I met with Antoine Bielkart um, in Paris, and we got along fine. And then uh, they came to the U.S., they interviewed a bunch of other people, and, and I ended up getting the job. Wow. And uh, did you realize then... How, like, as you call it, the Sleeping Beauty? Did you realize then, like, how amazing this brand is? Oh, how uh, incredible um, this brand! I had is? no idea. Yeah, and that's actually what I said to my boss when I signed my contract that day, my first day. I said, "Why is why do you need me? I mean, mm. from what you're saying, Bill Card is an amazing brand, super quality oriented. Right. In France, we were already, you know, working very well with restaurants and." And we were, we were already doing well uh, 10 years ago. And I said, why do you need me? You should be everywhere already, uh, right. this brand in America. And I think he said something very true. He said, well, that's the perfect proof that we need a man or a woman behind a brand. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't sell it. Even though you're good, even though you're well-known in some places, if you don't have some people behind the brand, right. There's nothing. It's all about telling a story. Yeah. And the story, as we know, and what we'll touch on today, is pretty amazing. Um, it's still family-owned, seven generations later. Um, and one of the things that uh, – so I have two kind of interesting umbilical stories in that. I was in um, Australia years ago, and I was talking to a, a, a woman, and she said that she didn't know really what Billicart was, but she called it Billy Cart. And I said, wow, it's Billy Cart. And I said, why do you call it Billy Cart? And now she, we talk about the champagne. She said, when we were kids, um, we didn't have a lot of money, and we built go-karts out of the wooden boxes that Billy Cart came in. And that was her first, like, so they called them Billy Carts in Australia. And it wasn't until later. She's an importer now in Florida. Um, Jane, I forget her last name, Delaney maybe. But uh, she has her own import company. So she told that story to me 15 years ago. Uh, when Very I and and oddly enough, for me, I've always equated the rosé with this incredible quality. As a bachelor, you know, I always had a bottle of Billicart rosé in my fridge because I thought it was like the perfect thing. If you know, had guests over, or like you you blew them away, um, and we'd be totally crazy not to talk about Billicart rosé for a second because it was the one uh, thing that everybody really wanted to captivate or wanted when we we started importing the wine. Um, but also just uh, as a rosé, I think it was the first champagne rosé, uh, one of the first houses to do a, a champagne rosé. Um, and it's still world-class, and it and has Chardonnay in it. It's like 40% Chardonnay, right, or something yeah. like that, yeah, which makes more. it so, like, still fresh and beautiful. Um, it's an amazing rosé. And there's been how many copycats? Now everybody makes a, um, a rosé, but the quality is just... What makes it so good? Yeah, right. Uh, it is very good. It is um, extremely good. Um, I think it's the know-how of the family over the years. I, I'm not sure we were the first house producing rosé, but we were definitely one of the first house uh, 
putting it back on mm. the map, on wine lists. Right. Uh, the first time we've tried to sell rosé was in Paris um, at a Alain Ducasse restaurant and buy the glass and they thought we would be crazy. We were right. crazy to ask for that. Um, I guess they still have it by the glass today, you know, 20 years later. So yeah. um, uh, I think at the time it was not even a category, a rosé. We had this extremely interesting and good red wine, mm -hmm. uh, this Pinot Noir. And I think the grandfather is Jean-Roland Bilcar, who, who is the fifth generation who started really producing rosé mm -hmm. and trying to make a name for, for, for itself uh, on the rosé. It's an atypical rosé because it's, it's first a white wine. Uh, it's a wine that has been vinified uh, as a white wine, so there's no skin contact maceration to get the color like right. uh, any rosé that you would, mm -hmm. would drink where uh, there's a skin contact maceration. In, in Champagne, you, can, you have two processes. Either you do a skin contact maceration to get your rosé color or you blend mm -hmm. white and uh, red to get rosé. Right. And that's what we do because skin contact, we don't want the tannins, we don't want the, the harshness from the skin. And so we want to keep, you know, our, our style as it is, fresh, uh, fruit forward, uh, elegant. Um, so that's that's why we're doing, we're using this process is to blend and to offer that freshness based on the Chardonnay. As you say, it's 40, 50% yeah. Chard, and then it's Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. And uh, I think also the, the reason why it's it's so good, it's also, the, the you know, the, the winemaking is very important. Yeah. So uh, the grapes the grapes are very, very, very important. That's the first thing you start with. But then the winemaking, the way we vinify right. or cuvées in general at Bielkart is, is, is just... Um, it's just phenomenal. I mean, uh, we chill down, as you know, we chill down. Yeah, there's this cold stabilization that I was familiar for a lot of people cold drink beer. Cold uh, yes. But, um, but I, for this, uh, I mean, that's the. there's always an incredible freshness to this. And we're going to take one second to actually have some rosé, not your rosé. We're going to do, uh, I know you love the south of France, so I decided we do the Sumiere family. It's uh, also a family like Billicard, and they've been in the south of France making rosé forever. This is just their simple... Grenache. And so uh, it's beautiful out today. I thought, let's have a glass of rosé because we're going to drink Billicard after this because we're going to dinner. Um, but Good idea. Uh, I'm going to drink some of this now. And cheers. But, um, cheers, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this beautiful studio. Thank yeah. you for having us. Oh, here. Hey, this is fantastic. It's good to be here. Uh, State of the art facility. Mm -hmm. Also, Great my juice. good buddy Pierre Chiche Portiche is here outside as well. Um, so. I mean, that is what makes this uh, this product so incredible um, is this kind of uh, um, just innovative approach, whether it's the way they uh, make the rosé and, um, and the blending. Um, and I think to your point earlier about why do you need me during the interview? And uh, because you need somebody to tell the story. And one thing Billicart's always been up against in any fine brand is marketing dollars. Right. If you look at uh, look at any glossy magazine and you see full page ads for, you know, Veuve Clicquot or or brands that are on the sides of buses, <laughs> you know, or in the subway, and it's never been uh, something that uh, has been a philosophy of Billicard. There seems to me that there was always this kind of quiet groundswell and grass movement of the right chefs in Psalms and the wine people embracing this. 
Um, and these are the best, uh, you know, some of the, the best people in the business, some of the top chefs in the business, whether it's Alan Passard or Jean George or uh, Ducasse, as you mentioned. Um, it, it, that's where it starts. And, um, and that's what makes Billicourt unique to me is it is driven by a family philosophy and passion and intense quality and vision. All right? Absolutely. It's uh, it's well, you know, you were we were talking about the rose. The rose is a brand mm-hmm. inside the brand. Yeah. It's right. really uh what you know, you get your foot in the door because of the rose. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we make twelve cuvées and so we have a wine for everybody out right. there. You know, it's all about nuances, wine in general. Right. Um yeah, I mean, uh, we've built it up before here in the U.S. We've, you know, they've built it up um, talking about Antoine Bilka, Alexandre Bader, uh, and now our, our, our seventh generation new CEO, Mathieu uh, Bilka. Um, it started with restaurant, with chefs, with, uh, with food, with gastronomy. I mean, yeah. what is wine without food and what is food without wine? Exactly. So sure. that's how we, I think, we envision it and the only way to fight the monsters, which actually are helping us to sell our wine. I mean, all the, the marketing dollars, as you mentioned, that mm. they pour into our business is very helpful in a way. Yeah. That democratizes champagne yeah. in a way, right? Yeah, that yeah. educates people. Right. And then, you know, you have smaller brands like us where we're getting the crumbs out of the, the but main. Know, but you but know, they're good crumbs. Yeah, they're great crumbs. People are getting more and more educated. That's our right. job to educate them as well. Sure. And so they all they, they can also judge by themselves, you know. Um, like in any business, you have the leaders, you have the yeah. the main brands, and then you have the the underdogs and yeah. and we've never did anything else than trying to provide quality mm. to uh, our consumer. And and I think that's the only reason why we're still alive uh, after 200 years. We sure. celebrated our, our bicentennial uh, in uh, 2018. We were born in 1818, and I think the, the quality is just. And you can you can look in many other brands hmm. that are over 100 years old and still family-owned and in, independent. I think what kept them alive is the quality and hmm. their vision to be selective hmm. and right. and exclusive in what they do. Right. I mean, I, I look at um, I look at what you do. I look at Shish Portish does, and I look at what Alex Batter does when he's here. Um, super charismatic, Alex. People love him. He is such a character. Uh, Antoine is amazing. He comes to New York and works the market. Matthew, uh, when he was doing his Zoom, um, all of a sudden they're not these flat two dimensional Zoom calls. When Matthew's speaking and talking about this family, it's his family. You can feel it. I always say that people have a. Um, an incredible meter to pick up bullshit and people aren't sincere. And when Matthew's speaking about his love and his family history, you feel it. And you put this guy and this champagne because purity, uh, you know, that's ultimately it's what's in the glass it's going to sell. When you put this product in a glass, it just speaks volumes. And uh, and particularly if you're putting it against something else, uh, having sold this wine and been in many restaurants and side by side, it's just um, it's awe-inspiring to see what happens when you put this next to other rosés and how this just sings and soars and the other stuff. I mean, like, uh, and we're talking about innovation. Uh, look at the Pinot Meunier, right, the number one. Uh, this is what I mean. There's no resting on the laurels in this family and this, uh, what you guys are doing. Um, it's just uh, always growing, always thinking, yeah. how do I get better? That's uh, a great point. Right? And that's, uh, 
and and you can you can see it. And uh, if people are fortunate enough, and I would ask anyone who's listening to this uh, to uh, f- try to find the wines, uh, some of my favorites. I love the Blanc de Blanc, which is 100% Chardonnay from Grand Cru Vineyards. Um, you can't get it's like laser, like with uh, seafood and oysters. Uh, Soubois has become my new favorite. It's almost like. Your children, how do you pick one of your favorite? But Soubois, we argue about it. Who's going to like if it's in the office? Like, it's their um, neutral barrel fermented um, uh, champagne that is just spectacular depth and complexity. And um, if people are still stuck at home, you know, and feel yeah, af- afraid to go out, they should just order in some Billicard cuvées and just bring in some seafood and just do a, a fun tasting with their friends. And I think and that's s- what they've been doing. Yeah, because sales have kind of <laughs> kind of rocked, haven't they? Something yeah. tells me that that's what they've been doing. <laughs> I'm going to bring some more rosé, and then we're going to talk some more. All right. The the point also I wanted to make is uh, again about the quality. I was I was last week in Champagne, mm. and. Um, we have a tasting committee. Mm. So it's only one, two, where there's six people. Only the Bjorkarts uh, sit mm. in the committee and our two winemakers, Denis Blais and, and Florent Nice. And even our ex-winemaker who was there for 30 years, he comes to that because he wants to know what's going on. So cool. I, I was, there's nobody else in the committee that's who's allowed to taste uh, either for blending sessions. So right. uh, you have two kind of meetings, the blending sessions that it's super strict, confidential, nobody gets in. And then you have the tasting of the wines that are disgorged, mm. but not released yet. And we're asking the question, which wine is ready and when? And that's the tasting they invited me last week uh, wow. when I was in Champagne. You've... And I was very honored to be there. Of course. And very uh, humble, too, because, you know, Francois was here, Bilcar, or, or 30, 30 years long CEO was here, Mathieu, uh, Antoine, or three winemakers were, yeah. were here. And so I had a lot to learn from, you know, right. I had a lot of people to learn from. Which I did, and we tasted many wines. We, I think we tasted 25 wines. And uh, one of them, I won't tell you which one it is, but there was this argument between Francois and Mathieu, so new CEO and old CEO, uh, and about a cuvée that was either ready or not ready to be released. And so one of them was thinking it was ready. The other one was thinking, you know, uh, something else, that it was not ready. But if we have a doubt... We don't release. It means if there's a doubt, we we just keep the wine yeah. and we'll release it later. So um, at Bilkar, we always say it's the seller and it's the wine. The wine is the boss at Bilkart, and yeah. the, and and which, that's which, exactly what happened. That which day. explains sometimes why some vintage people why why haven't you released this vintage? Your yeah. your your head or you're behind backwards it's, sometimes. Yeah, backwards sometimes. Yeah. And that's and I always tell people it because it's you know this isn't just a. Um, we're not just like printing money here. It's just not like, hey, we got to get the new vintage out. If it's not ready, it doesn't get released. This family, this business takes the financial hit to go. No, we do it if for it's the, not ready. Yeah, it we do it for the wine. It. We do yeah. it for the wine, and we do it for the consumer because right. in that session, that's what Francois asked as a question. Mm-hmm. He said, "If I'm a consumer and I tasted the vintage." Uh, that was maybe a 95 or 96 vintage, and I taste that vintage right here, right now, I'm going to be disappointed. So this one shouldn't be released. It can wait. Yeah. Who cares? We have time, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's time. But I mean, it's funny because uh, like CEOs who are just looking at dollars are going, 
do you realize we just put like a quarter million dollars on hold? Like that's – but that's the difference between I think a family-run organization as opposed to a champagne house that are owned by conglomerates, uh, you know, investment companies. Um, they're like, I'm sorry. It doesn't care. It's a brand and the brand sells. That's not – it's it's they put the – uh, they put the cart before the horse. That's not the way to do it. Not if you're interested in keeping the same clientele who, who understand why this is so different than the sea of champagne um, that is out there for sure. Yeah. True. And then it's, you know, it's an, uh, a business model that's different in every single champagne house. So right. some champagne house are releasing 2013 Prestige Cuvée right now. Mm-hmm. We're on 07 or on 08. Yeah. So we have a few years still, and it's all you know. It's all about you know what needs to be done financially, business wise. So it's very. I want now at this point, like this is awesome. I want people to get a little slice of like, um, what's it like? We're going to talk about two things. Why is it? What's it like to sell luxury Uh um, during this time? And then I want you to give me some of like. The crazy, like, let's let I, I, people know whether whether where the wine is and is in J- in Japan and like the best restaurants in Paris. If we can, uh, just because when we talk about chefs and psalms who like it, I mean, we should talk about it's at La Peche, it's at uh, Robuchon, it's at uh, it is, John yeah. George, it's at per se, it's at like in Japan, it's in the best restaurants, and this is what we're really talking about when we're saying it's chefs love it, psalms like it, uh, and love it. Um, that's what we're talking about, right? It's like, um, and that's what uh, Bilico doesn't speak a lot about. It just shows up, and you're like, ah, um, perfect, right? Um, but what's it like to sell luxury from your standpoint? I mean, uh, you just told me you just came in. I was in the Caribbean. I know you tested. We're all cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the Caribbean. You're in. You're in the south of France. You're. Wh- what's your? What's your? What's? Give me a road warrior story from you. Like, what's a a tough month where you're like traveling nonstop? But you're on a plane all the time, telling the story, being the ambassador for. Yeah, um, the the traveling is definitely, you know, uh, the best part, but the worst part. So yeah. it's great. You meet a lot of people. You're in restaurants every night. It's like an artist getting on stage and and putting his show, you know, every sure. every night. And it's exactly the same thing. You're in front of an audience. You have to be interesting if you can, yeah. and right. entertaining, yeah. and uh, and and kind of lovable if you can as well. You know, you have to be nice with people, and yeah. and f- uh, and I think that's what I love is in this business is to. To really speak to anybody from a top end CEO to, uh, you know, to a boss boy in a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I get along with everybody, and I think um, luxury selling luxury, it doesn't have to be necessarily super expensive or mm-hmm. super exclusive. Mm-hmm. First, I think what makes anything luxury is the quality. Sure. Of a product, yeah. whether it's wine, a car, a watch, yeah. a garment, anything. It's the right. quality. Then the price, of course, but again, we're not the most expensive champagne in town. Right. Uh, we just try to be the best champagne at the best price. Be which the best. Is, so, but give me like the crazy like, okay, so I'm in Tokyo and I jump on a plane and then I'm in, in Paris and, uh, you know, I'm hanging out at – you know, you know, at this restaurant, and then I'm back in New York, and I'm having dinner at John George. Like, give people a taste of like what that is like. And and by the way, as you said, 
I because I I sell for a living too. It is like it is very much like being on stage. Like I gotta like deliver the goods. Like people think like you just go out to fancy dinners and you drink. It's like total bullshit. So you have to be on. And by the way, getting off a plane, tired, hungover, didn't sleep. I when it's showtime, it's like it's Bob Fosse. It's showtime. Let's go. And and um, and I think you know you're in the right business when you're good at it because you do love what you do. Um, so when I'm like traveling a lot and I'm hungover and don't sleep and I walk into a winery and we have to do barrel tastings or whatever and I walk in the wine and I can smell the fermentation I everything goes away and I'm like oh my god and I feel like rejuvenated you know like I feel like I slept 10 hours and worked out and and I know wow I'm in the right business and it's the same when I'm out and I'm I was kind of selling I was just like Oh, I love sitting in front of like the best psalms, the MSs, the the incredible chef, because uh, that's when I'm on. But also, the flip of that is it can kick your ass, right? Oh yes, they can. <laughs> they, they're good at that, actually. Uh, but but we 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 know how to 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 handle it. But uh, this last year, obviously, we didn't travel much, and yeah. uh, the, the luxury life or the yeah. It was not, you know, it was especially behind our computer and behind phone calls and and making it happen. You know, it was Hard. not that glamorous. Uh, yeah. We're still recovering, I guess, but yeah. it's it's better now. It's a little bit better. Um, but in the fun days, yeah, give um, me the give me the fun days. In the fun give days, me, make people listen. Oh, now people are going. Oh well, let's listen to what's happening on the fun days. What's <laughs> going on? Tell me what's going on the fun days. On the fun days, tell me how like Nagasawa eating the best sushi in the world, and um, then flying to Paris to to meet uh, you know. No, I think the, Alex and Dine. Yeah, you know, one of the the couple best stories I have yeah. uh, these last ten years, I think half two is. It's our 200-year anniversary. We're in New York at a lunch at the, at, at Jean Georges. Uh, we have the whole city is here. Yeah. Uh, you know, three-star chefs, Michelin. You're here. Yeah. Our yeah. Top customers are here. The owner, the owners are here. Um, and it's our 200 years, so it doesn't happen every day. And it's right. it's a big show we're putting on. You mm-hmm. know, we and we ending we ending the lunch. It was a lunch on a Tuesday. We're ending the lunch and everybody is standing up, standing ovation, and all the yeah. chefs are like banging <laughs> the the pans and the yeah. and it's and it's and it's a it's a show, and then we take a private plane, we go to LA and we do the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> the same day, but for dinner with the same chef. Wow! Uh, okay. And we do it all over again. So that's you know that's. Uh, <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, so that that that's a great memory for me. Okay. And so co- big question: Are you sleeping on the plane, or you just continue to drink on the plane? You do both. <laughs> Not at the same time, but you do both. You, okay. you drink first, and yeah, then yeah, you yeah, sleep yeah. Uh, after. Another great story was we were you know lucky enough to meet amazing people mm-hmm. over the last ten years with Billcart. Yeah. It opened so many doors for right. for me for myself personally, right. but also for the brand. Um, getting to know, you know, our best salespeople, mm-hmm. getting to know our, our best, you know, our best uh, ambassador who are chefs, you know, yeah. the Jean-Georges, the Daniel, the Danny Meyer, those people, yeah. for me, they're, they're so inspiring, yeah. very inspiring. Yeah. And, and then, so that's still all world, mm-hmm. the gastronomic world. But we were able to uh, come up with charity projects a few years back with very, you know, uh, famous artists that runs charities. Right. Uh, one of them is called Product Red, where, I remember uh, you yeah. know, you, we raise money to fight 
AIDS and now COVID-19. Mm. Um, so any given brand can pro- can produce a, a red product right. and sell it and and raise money for for product right. So Bono from U2 started that in 2002. To fight AIDS in Africa, and we were lucky enough to work with them and to work with them and sell 20,000 bottles. Raised. Is it crazy how much Bono looks like Alex Batter? It does. <laughs> oh my God, he does. And, 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 I call and, him Bono. <laughs> and, we're, and we're a big fan of the band, you yeah, know, so, and, and we, met him course, a, yeah. we met him a couple times yeah. when we did that project, and, and it was amazing, you know, so... When I say we can meet, you know, anybody in this business, yeah. we can really meet anybody. And uh, and it's 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 what I like about about selling luxury and champagne in general is like any doors are open if yeah. you know how to knock on them. Yeah, for sure. I, I've also like if I'm at a bar drinking it, the amount of comments I will get, people stopping by, passing by. Now, you live in L.A., mm-hmm. so that's like Celebrity Central. So, mm-hmm. I mean, are do people come by like – I would say your job is as close to being a celebrity without being a celebrity. I think some, you know, famous people, they know, you know, very famous products as well or very famous brands. So it's also a good thing for us sometimes to let them know about a product they don't necessarily know, which would be Bjorkart. As you said, we're not on the billboards and in the magazine. We're not at the Oscars or, you know, we're we're still confidential. Although what's crazy was um, the Zoom... Grammys or there was one award show because mm-hmm. they, they would cut to people's houses and I think we've talked about it I know Laura and I talked about it who's the uh, French brand manager for T. Edward um, there were bottles of Billicart on a lot of people's tables and not put there purposely like promotional shots people were drinking Billicart that's true um, well, it, to... it was not uh, yeah. it was not intentional yeah yeah was it? no I'm sure but it's, it's just like, like we ended up one day on the last episode of this famous uh, TV show called Homeland Oh yeah, right. You yeah. Remember Homeland? I do. That, yeah. On, yeah, on Showtime, and yeah. They, they won. They won a lot of yeah. awards. And when I started, you know, working with Bill Carr ten years ago, I got this email from Showtime asking, you know, the the, the release of the rights for Bill Carr. I said, well, it, it won't hurt the brand. You know, yeah, we're just right. starting. So, yeah. yes, please have it. You know. Yeah. And so, next thing you know, is the biggest TV show. Uh, yeah. As as long as someone wasn't getting bludgeoned to death by a bottle of Billicard, we're cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, and so yeah, we ended up in this in this TV show, the last episode. Not only you see the bottle on the on the movie, but then they cite they cite the name of it, which oh, is very rare actually. Yeah, it is. And usually, you know, that's called that's you, called product placement. Yeah, you pay for that, and you pay for right. that. We we never paid f- yeah. for anything. You know, we don't yeah. do that. I have so. to tell you, this is um uh. Let's just quickly run through some of the brands people should be looking for. Uh, you know, the NFB, the Nicolas Francois. Nicolas uh, Francois Bilcar. Uh, yeah. The Subois, which is the Balfour Men, which I, I recommend, the Blanc de Blanc, the Pinot Meunier that we mentioned, the obviously the Brut, the Extra Brut, the Brut Nature. Yeah. I mean, um, these are wines that everybody should be looking for. Um, and each item is has all that care and precision that we're talking about. Um, we could spend four hours dissecting each uh, cuvee, basically. We don't have that time. Um, so uh, I would uh, tell people they should just go out and hunt it, uh, hunt it down and, and find it. And uh, and next time you're in a really great restaurant, look around, see if it's on their list. 
Um, and uh, and please, if they don't uh, ask for it. And they don't ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> that will help. That will help us. Yeah, and then and you can go on my website and I'll give you Joffrey's uh, cell phone. You can call him, and then uh, he'll give you free tennis lessons <laughs> if you're in LA because apparently he's a badass tennis player. So I hear. <laughs> I, I I do my best. Okay. I do my best. I love it. Um, but going back <clears throat> on the cuvées, you're <clears throat> right. Uh, we produce 12 cuvées, six vintage and six non-vintage. Mm -hmm. right. um, going from the brut nature with no sugar to the sous-bois that's vinified, 100% in oak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, in, in the middle, you have rosé, blanc de blanc, very mm -hmm. elegant, very fresh wine. Uh, and then the vintages, the founder's cuvée, Nicolas-François Bilcar. We're on 07 vintage right now. Elisabeth Salmon, 08. So mm -hmm. those two uh, great person or, or founders as long as uh, Louis Salmon hmm. brother of Elisabeth he was our first winemaker and it's a or Blanc de Blanc vintage that we rename uh, uh, Louis Salmon so we have three founders cuvée and then Clos Saint-Hilaire which is our one hectare of that's pure, the, pure Pinot Noir. That's the unicorn, right? That's yeah, the, that's the, the white Bengal tiger. You can't yeah. find if you can't find it. You, should, you covet it. It's very it's, small. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's hard to find. Yeah, it's uh, very hard to find. <laughs> yeah, it's a small production. It's yeah. one hectare, so it's depending on the vintage from twenty five hundred to fifty five hundred bottles, mm. and uh, we don't produce it every year. You know. Uh, to our quality standards, right. we don't think uh, we should release a vintage every year. Right. Uh, you know, some other house think otherwise. And, but and, and, again, you, and you don't do that. And it's very easy to do that because if you declare vintage, it's you get more money. So yeah. you don't do it because it's like it's not worthy. So you don't do it. Again, going back to the kind of uh, the quality, the truth in, yeah. in your philosophy. The, the authenticity. Um, so we're at that time in the show where I say – uh, you wake up in the middle of the night, there's a ghost, a specter floating over your bed and saying, Geoffrey, this is it. Uh, this is your last day. Tomorrow night will be your last night. All the, like, all the ghosts of people who uh, have disappeared from Champagne over the years and you'll just be one more person in this long line of historic people who've, who've, who, uh, from Champagne. <clears throat> so you're going to have one meal and you're going to have one last drink and you're going to listen to a piece of music before you leave this planet before you shuffle off, and maybe it'll be a, maybe it'll be a private jet to uh, who knows where to, to go see who. But so, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Well, what are you listening to? And I have to pick one for for yeah, each, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, for wine, I have. It's not that I have to, but of course, Bjorkhart. Okay. I would pick. I would pick. Uh, I want vintage. I want cuvee. <laughs> yeah, I'll pick the Clos Saint-Hilaire 95 okay. or 96 if okay. I can find a bottle. Okay. Uh, you want a uh, you want a non-vintage too? <laughs> okay, Blanc de Blanc non-vintage. Okay. Uh, those would be my two wines, and they're very different, actually. One mm -hmm. is Chardonnay, the other one is Pinot. Uh, Food-wise, wow, that's tough. Last meal, man. Last meal, I want a... I want... A little bit of caviar. Perfect. If, if I may. You can course it out. If I may. <laughs> can I course it out? How many courses? <laughs> I'll give you three courses. <laughs> because we can't add another 30 minutes to All this. right. So <laughs> caviar. Grim Reaper is going, hey, come on, Jeffrey, let's go. <laughs> caviar, a risotto. Ooh. I love risotto. Truffles in the risotto or no? Oh, yeah, Just of course. Of oh, course. Okay. Okay. Truffle risotto. And then uh, Cheese. Camembert. I'm camembert. from Normandy. I need my camembert. <laughs> I need my camembert. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. So that and music. Um, I'm going to set the stage for you now, okay? Okay. Your eyes are closing. Your belly's full. You drank that entire bottle. You're going to float off into the ethers. What music is playing? Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Yeah. What song? You got to give me a song. Oh, um, Could You Be Loved? Very nice, joyous. Yeah, I love, I love, I love, I love that song. Uh, Joffrey, thank you for being on DOTJ podcast. Thank you, uh, John, a, very much. So, a gift. Let's go drink some champagne and let's do it and eat. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. <laughs> <laughs>